Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Alex Moore, and she is the founder of Graywell Capital, a real estate investment firm based in San Francisco, and where they acquire Class B and Class A multifamily apartment buildings in Texas. And they implement targeted value add programs that improve the community and performance of the asset to create amazing returns for investors. And most recently, she has become a mom herself. So I'm super excited to deep dive into that a little bit more and how she's been able to manage her life and the craziness that is involved once you have a child of your own. So Alex, thank you for coming on the show and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So Alex, can you give us a little bit more of a background into yourself and how you got started with real estate? Yeah, I got started with real estate over seven years ago. I only knew about it from actively acquiring. And so I wanted to get into an investment that would diversify us out of the stock market. My husband and I are pretty financially literate, but that wasn't, I think, the nature of what we were brought up in as our families. But we realized, hey, we really need to educate ourselves and figure out how to create a plan for our family so that we are not in a perpetual working and working and trying to make enough to make us retire at some point. (laughs) So the idea was, okay, let's come up with something outside of the stock market that can be a little bit more stable because we were looking at so a lot of volatility and especially in tech stocks where they're really lucrative, but they can also drop. And we've seen that in the market recently too. So did a bunch of research and we were debating over multifamily or short-term rentals. And so we actually did one of each and did a quick cash out refinance on the multifamily, got into a short-term rental that needed a ton of work. It completely needed full gut rehab. It was a divorce settlement. So we got a good deal on it, but it needed the whole Monty. Like everything needed to be taken out. Two dogs lived in there and it was a wreck. And we bought both of them remote. So one was in my hometown. So I knew the location incredibly well. I found the property. I knew that the rent projections could easily be hit as is. And then the other one was also remote and it was in Maui. And we didn't really factor in the ocean to that part of it, but we had run the CapEx budget and we thought, okay, this is very achievable. So did both of those within the span of two weeks, we closed on one and then rolled that money into the next one. And that's really what launched investing into real estate. And I caught the bug. I loved it. It was the most stressful six weeks of my life <laughs> because we were trying to do renovations across an ocean. So we spent so much of our six weeks there, just like making sure things were getting done, doing work ourselves, and then also leasing up the asset that we had acquired in Michigan and setting up help there too, which we had never been landlords before. We'd never done lease contracts before. We never done anything from that standpoint for how do you vet a tenant? None of that. So big learning curve on two fronts, but it really inspired me to see how much value we could create by a lot of hustle. So it was super exciting for us. (laughs) What was the time period between when you bought those two properties? It was two weeks. Oh, two weeks. (laughs) We, um, I don't know how the banks did it. It was a different time. So I think it was faster. Um, we did a full cash out refinance 
and then wired that money from the multifamily property to the bank for the short-term rental. And it was literally the day of close. The money hit the day before, and then we wired it directly to that. So it was pretty tight. I wouldn't suggest it (laughs) today, but they were able to do it. And we got into both properties at the same two-week window. If you were to pinpoint maybe a couple of things that made you successful during that time as you were working on both those properties simultaneously, and this was all remotely as well. And so you're setting up your systems, your management team and everything like that. What do you think contributed to your success? And what are some of the lessons that you wish that you learned from that experience? Yeah. We were both also working full-time <laughs> at this time. And I, I'm in medicine. And so I was in between patient visits, taking calls from contractors, trying to vet tenants. And it was kind of a nightmare. I wouldn't say it was the best system for folks if you have kids. Like I was younger and you know had a little bit more energy, but I think hustle and grit. Like I really was motivated to make these properties profitable because when you have debt that you have to carry on the properties, you have upcoming CapEx. It really puts a, a pretty good time frame on, hey, when do I have to get this profitable? And it needs to be pretty quickly. So I self-managed both properties for the first six months. And so what that looked like was setting up a good network in Michigan where I had a couple of handyman, a couple of runners, and then I had a lease system that happens. We've always done everything electronic. So tenants would get vetted through online applications that would go direct into the portal. And then they would do all communications through the portal there. That's super helpful, especially if you're managing things remote. With the short-term rental, I realized that you are completely reliant on your platform. So we were on Airbnb and doing really well. This thing was cash flowing like mad. But when there was an issue that came up, you as the owner didn't have a lot of sway over a bigger company. You're one person in their swamp of other people and you can easily be replaced. So we had a few really not ideal guest experiences that resulted in a good amount of damage to the property. And it also took up a lot of my time. So this one was a very time intensive when you're in hospitality and you're not giving that away to somebody else. It's very active. So I quickly realized how much I like the long-term rentals where I can do a CapEx plan, I can bump up my rent, I can get a really good secure tenant in there. And then I have consistent cash flow that I can predict. It was a very clear within a couple months, I was like, and not going to do the more of the short-term rentals. I mean, it's just, I think the appetite is each to their own. It was particularly clear when the pandemic hit that people have the option of traveling. It's a luxury. It's not a guarantee people do not have the option or luxury to have housing. So that's something that they'll always pay for. So that was another thing that I was just like really solidifying. Hey, long-term multifamily is great. (laughs) It's just so resilient, recession-proof. So how did you turn around that experience and take it from something where you were having to deal with a lot of the issues and then turning it into a profitable business for yourself? Yeah, The way that that set up was I had to get myself partly out of it. I had to be managing it. I had to be the asset manager, but I couldn't be the day-to-day person. Um, So I needed to have someone who would be the point of contact for for the long-term. I needed someone who was answering the phones and someone who was handling the requests. So once I got an admin person on it, and I honestly did that as hourly for quite a while because 
you don't need a full-time person. This is very like, Hey, you get a ping on your phone. That's the nice thing about the apps is that if you're set up as a user, you get a ping, you submit the request for the repair done five minutes, not so much time. So it did have to go through a few different people for that to find the right fit. So having a good interview process and getting good rapport with a person, and then also doing good training and feedback. So I learned how to give feedback that was constructive so that the next time it went better for the short-term rental. Once I realized, Hey, this wasn't really my thing. I started interviewing property management companies. And then at that point I realized the cash flow that we'd created from this asset goes away very quickly. Once you have to take on third-party management, because they're typically 20 to 30% of growth. So that's just off the top and for the short-term rental space. Yes, exactly. And if you're a large owner, you can negotiate that down, which I was able to negotiate the price down, but it still was pretty substantial. And then there's other services like Evolve does a 10%, which is less expensive, but the owner themselves is still pretty involved with the management in the day-to-day. And I just really couldn't do it with bandwidth. Got it. So when you made that shift, how do you think that really propelled you to be able to open up your time to the next bigger thing and what you were actually focused on and what you're passionate about looking to do within real estate. Yeah. Once I was able to get the management part off. And meanwhile, I mean, that was at the beginning. I grew the portfolio and acquired several other assets. And then I really had to decide, okay, where is this going? Am I going to continue just to be investing on the side and work full time? Or am I going to turn this into something more? And when I realized that I really love the industry. I really love finding properties, seeing where the niche is, seeing how we can increase value in it. And that I'm pretty good at it. I realized that I wanted to create something that was just focused on that. And so then choosing the asset class for it was pretty clear because I tried everyone. <laughs> I did I did retail, industrial, medical office. I had literally bought a little bit of something everywhere. And so then I decided to go full into multifamily. And that's when I started learning about how you do group investments in getting into large multifamily, because that was really where I found a passion. And so that's why I pivoted into just strictly multifamily, large multifamily, and then started Graywell to offer that to other people. Because a lot of folks actively do not want to acquire property. It's a lot of work and I can speak to it firsthand. It's been a ton of work because of all the acquisitions I've done. I've gone through almost every pro and con of every asset class because I was actively doing it. And that's actually a benefit is when you get to learn that, you know exactly which ones are ones that you feel are good for your risk tolerance and what the market is able to do on each asset and the things that really make or break each asset class too. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes.
Since you had a lot of experience in all those different asset classes as well, and then now you're focused on multifamily, for you, you touched a little bit about the hard work side of things on like being an active investor and touching and having to manage everything yourself. What was it about multifamily specifically that really worked with your lifestyle and what you were trying to achieve? And how did you see that as a good vehicle for you and your family to be able to achieve your own financial goals? Yeah. So with multifamily, it's economy of scale. I think you've probably heard that before too. But when you have something bigger, when you have a CapEx issue that comes up, it doesn't immediately wipe out all of your reserves that you've had. So with smaller multifamily, you set your reserve budget, but then you have a roof that comes in and it's 20K and your reserve budget was 20K. (laughs) And so you're kind of rebuilding that for the next year. And it's a really tough place to be with that volatility. So it's hard to predict that in the long term. So large multifamily really offers that stability there. And then also, I really wanted to build a business and I really wanted to be an owner and really wanted to be someone who can create an investment firm that is providing wonderful opportunities for investors that do not want to actively acquire and manage property and that are not, that love what they do in their day to day and they're not actively seeking to go into anything else. So for the goals for my family, it was pretty clear Alex was going to start something. What is she going to do? And it was pretty clear that multifamily was the fit. And I had done it so actively during my career that it was like we were talking over all the different businesses I could start. This one was the one that really checked a ton of boxes for us. And I won't say to anyone that starting a business is easy. It's actually one of the hardest things that I would say, one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> Maybe labor was worse, but that at least was time box. <laughs> but other than that, it's a lot of grinding. It's a lot of making sure that you are doing, being the most responsible with other people's capital. And I hold that so dearly because it is one thing that when you're investing your own capital, it's totally another when you are taking the responsibility over someone else's capital. So can you share a little bit because you were also building up your business during the time when you're pregnant and then now you have to raise this little baby and have to juggle all of your time. How did you manage all of your time? And then how did you look at your investing strategies and did that change at all as you became a mom? Yeah. As a mom, I think you realize that your time when you have with your little one, you want to be super present. And so starting a company while being a mom, I've really had to say, okay, the time that I'm spending with my son is time that I'm dedicated and focused on him. And then when he is up and he gets up at 5am, I've joked that <laughs> I'm a member of the 5am club. Not I remember those days. <laughs> and I wonder, is he ever going to sleep in longer? Probably. But you know, right now it's 5am. And so through the morning until drop off, like I am present. And then when we pick up, it's through dinner time and then bedtime. And then, so my work is really full on when I'm not with him. And then I'm fully trying to be present when I'm with him, because I think that's time you never get back. And it's also really important that I think your family knows that they're valued and that the best way I think for a lot of people is quality time um, and being present because you can be next to someone, but not be present. And that's really a shame. So making that a priority has been a really important thing for us. Yeah, no, I totally resonate with what you're saying on that, especially that taking that time in the morning to just be present with your child. I know for us, it's the same way because you can see how they react throughout the day later on if you're 
half present there. And then I think as the day goes on, their cup isn't full. So they're looking for attention and they want to spend that more and more time with you. And it's just, you're constantly trying to feed it throughout the day as well. But if you're spending 100% of your time when you are with them, being 100% present with them, giving them and filling up their cup as much as possible for that initial day, like I think it sets the tone for their overall day as a kid. I don't know. That's how I kind of see it with our children as well. It's like when we spend it with them in the morning and then throughout the day, it's like a little bit different, like their personality and like how they're approaching day and life and everything like that. Yeah. Just a little bit different for them. I totally resonate with that. I think you can see when they feel comfortable and like, okay, I have my needs met. And then they just are more, they are not as clingy. I mean, certainly have those days where something happened or they're teaching where they're clingy, but in general, when they feel like, okay, I'm secure, that is a totally different day than the days where they're like, I can tell you're constantly a little distracted. (laughs) Yes. And then I think it also sits in their mind that like what you mentioned, I'm priority, you know, like mom is always putting me first. And then afterwards I can give her a little space to kind of focus on other things throughout the day as well. Yep. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Totally. So what are you focused on right now, Alex? And like, what are you the most excited about coming up? Yeah. So exclusively focused on the Texas markets this year. The reason for that is because I think you can do a little bit of every market, but it's really hard to niche down on your sub markets. I am a firm believer in knowing your cross streets and being really securing your rent projections. I think that it's super easy to over project rents when you don't know your pockets because so many cities are like that. And that's, I mean, I've lived in cities for the last 10 years and I know that, Hey, from living there, that cross street is not going to get the same rent as across the, you know, this way. And so I really do focus on getting to know the submarkets incredibly well. And that gives a little bit more of an edge too, when you know how much you can push purchase price. So I think that's the two things is like just focusing on one area, knowing your submarkets and then knowing where you can push makes it have a little bit more of a competitive edge. So for this year, we're a goal that we have is that we'd like to get another three acquisitions by the end of the year. And then hopefully if we've oversaturated a market and we feel like we can move on to another one, we'll go on to another one. But right now we're exclusively focused on Houston and DFW to get those acquisitions. What about those markets really appeal to you? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think a lot of people have mixed feelings about Houston specifically because of zoning, like no zoning, (laughs) flood, and then oil and gas. So those things, I actually think there's mitigations that you can get around each of them. Zoning, I just don't go to areas that are new development. I go to places that have established and known pipelines of development. The year absorption rate has been consistent for the new development and still has increased demand despite what they're putting on market. So that's fantastic for Houston, but I do really pay attention to pipelines. The other thing is flooding. I just don't avoid the flood zones and it's a hassle and the insurance is expensive. And then for oil and gas, there's been a ton of new industries brought into Houston recently that have diversified far out. Medical being a huge one. So there's a huge medical industry, there's NASA, and there's other transportation, retail. So there's a good diversification outside of oil and gas, but you do have to make sure you're looking at your pocket there because there's volatility in rentership that are highly reliant on oil and gas. So as long as you're aware of where those housing issues are, you can choose the correct asset there. 
And then for DFW, it's been so strong performing. It is incredible how many people have moved there from California. (laughs) And with that, it's a little bit more of what I would say an affluent market. So they're more tolerant of additional fees and amenities. So you can make your property a little bit nicer. You can increase your amenity fees and the, the residents tolerate that better. So there's a little bit more edge to getting your additional income in rent forecasting, which makes it a great place to invest. And then I know several people who live there, work there, and it also adds to that like confidence that, Hey, this is a great market. So for you, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? It's completely changed it. You know, my background is in medicine. I was in medicine for 10 years, over 10 years. And I think a lot of people in medicine have high burnout. It's really common. And I didn't anticipate that I would so quickly pivot into something else full time. I think I pictured myself going part time and doing this on the side. But when I realized the ability to start a business out of it and really grow it to something that is a national presence and that can be transformative for myself, for investors. And also, my vision is that the company itself is supporting multiple families and that we have a strong community within the culture of our company and that it's a place where people really enjoy coming and working. So, we really focus on that as a company and we really focus on people in the right roles and doing their right thing. I mean, I think that's the biggest joy of work. We want people to feel joyful in their work and feel like they have ownership over their work and over what the trajectory of the company is. And so if there was one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? I think I would have wished that I could go bigger sooner. I think a lot of people only have conceptually this one idea, like I have this amount of money, this is as far as it will go. And I think if I had known that real estate is more infinite than that. And there's many partners you can bring in to make a deal close. You can get bigger, faster. You can go into bigger deals quicker. I would have appreciated that early on. And then I also would have just liked to have done this sooner. I think if I was in my twenties and had started, I love the stories of people who are like 21 or 18 who, you know, flip their first house. Like how awesome is that? I mean, you're like a teenager. (laughs) I think that would have been really cool. And I came from a small business family, my grandparents and my extended family and my have started so many small businesses. So my background is in small businesses, but not so much in that making real estate a business from that standpoint, but I always had that bug to start something. And so I think if I had had the courage to do it sooner, I really would have gone for it sooner. Yeah. No, talking about the younger generation, the 18, 19 year olds, I'm always so curious too. I'm like, at that age, I wasn't thinking about this at all. So it's so interesting to hear about how they got to where they are, how their thought processes as they're getting into real estate and buying their first property. And I think you don't have the fear when you're that young too. I think that you've got so many years left ahead of you that there is so much room to explore and have a couple of oops. You know, that's fine. It's a learning experience. And I think that part of it like fades. (laughs) They're like, I don't have as much oops room, (laughs) but when you're younger, you do. And I think it's awesome. Like I encourage young people, if you're interested in acquiring a small business, interested in starting a small business, interested in getting into real estate and investing, do it, do it as soon as you can and do it in a low risk environment, money that wouldn't devastate you, but do just do it and give it a shot. Cause nine times out of 10, if you hustle hard, you'll make it work. So Alex, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story 
And for our listeners out there who want to learn more about what you're doing in this space, learn more about your story, where's the best place that you can go to find out more? Yeah, I would love for folks to reach out graywellcapital.com and Grace spelled with an E. Please reach out there and they can hit connect with us. And then I also have a Twitter account, Alexandra Seymour or LinkedIn. Those are my primary platforms. <laughs> so please don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Alex. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is great. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.